This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Here's your money briefing for Thursday, March 9th. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. Stocks typically top the list of investment options, be it for professional investors or someone trying to boost their personal finances. But recently, many on Wall Street are looking elsewhere. There's a lot of worry about when the economy is going to go into recession and how bad that potentially might be. On today's show, we'll talk to Wall Street Journal markets reporter Akani Otani. That's after the break. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. For years, investors have held on to the belief that there is no alternative to stocks. But after last year's series of sell-offs and this year's choppy market performance, investors are seeing money market opportunities outside the stock market. WSJ Markets reporter Akani Otani joins us to discuss how you can take advantage of these alternatives to stocks to build up your portfolio. Akani, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So, Akani, you know, we saw stocks take a beating last year to the tune of a 19% decline in the S&P 500. Then they got a bit of a bounce at the start of this year. But what's gotten us to the point where investors at all levels should be thinking about alternatives to stocks? Well, JR, I think there's two main factors driving that shift in mindset. One is the fact that there's a lot of worry about when the economy is going to go into recession and how bad that potentially might be for corporate America. As we know, the stock market does heavily tend to rely on corporate earnings. So there's this thought that if we go into a downturn, other markets might offer investors a bit more of a chance at a safe return than the stock market. And then the second factor is the fact that interest rates have continued to rise. We know that the Fed intends on raising interest rates at least a couple more times this year. And that means that other assets like bonds, for instance, are offering investors a lot more yield for their money. So take the two factors together and you have a lot of money managers saying stocks don't necessarily look like the best or the only market to be in right now. But if stocks have come down in value, wouldn't it make sense to maybe jump in and grab a bargain? 
You would think so, but a lot of money managers actually say the stock market, especially in the U.S., still doesn't necessarily look cheap. So, of course, yes, the S&P 500 had a terrible year last year. We saw big declines across the board in many of the most popular stocks in the market. But if you look at most sort of broad measures of valuations or trying to figure out how expensive the stock market is. In general, we're seeing the S&P 500 trade above long-term historical averages still. So it still looks more expensive than on average we've seen over the past decade. So that has a lot of investors thinking the risk-reward ratio doesn't necessarily look super compelling right now. All right, so let's talk about what this means for people with a nest egg that includes stocks and perhaps a retirement account. You mentioned bonds, and what types of alternatives to stocks, including bonds, have gotten investors' attention? And how could someone with a portfolio consider changing the blend of the assets that they have? Right, so one of the most popular alternatives to stocks always, and not just in this kind of environment, has been historically bonds, because you're basically guaranteed to get 100% your return on money if you hold the bond to maturity, plus the interest payments over time that those bonds will pay out. And right now, a lot of bonds are actually paying in this sort of single high to mid single digit percentage range. And that's a lot more than bonds have been offering for a very long period after the 2008 financial crisis. So that's one reason why we're seeing a lot of investors say bonds look like a compelling alternative to the stock market right now. And then another area just generally that investors have seen some interest in investors among is emerging markets. So we're talking about markets where the economy is still developing. So big emerging markets tend to be like China, a lot of countries in Africa, a lot of sort of your South Asian economies. And investors are saying that stocks, bonds, real estate, things in those markets are looking a lot more compelling as well. So for somebody who doesn't trade for a living, you know, doesn't have a stock trading degree, (laughs) is there a simple way for them to take advantage of those types of investments? So what I've been hearing from a lot of financial advisors and investors is that it's never wise to completely pull out all of the money that you have right now and then go like 100% into a different market. It's more about gradually shifting the mix of assets that you have. So maybe right now you're 60% in U.S. stocks and 40% in U.S. bonds. Well, one type of shift that we've been seeing is some investors are recommending their clients shift that 60% in U.S. stocks. So maybe they're more like 50% in U.S. stocks and 10% in emerging market stocks. We're talking gradual shifts like that. Another common shift that we've been seeing a lot of investors talk about is putting a bit more money into cash, which is interesting because, again, for many years after the 2008 financial crisis, it kind of seemed like a loss to just put your money into cash and essentially earn no money on that at all if it's sitting in your bank account. But now with interest rates rising, a lot of investors have been saying cash and cash-like investments are actually offering somewhat more of a compelling return, especially just considering all of the uncertainty that we still have about the economy. It's sort of nice for a lot of investors to think, well, if everything goes down, I still have a little bit of cash in my accounts that I can fall back on. So, Akani, I want to ask you more about cash in a moment, but with regard to emerging markets and bonds, how would somebody take advantage of those types of investments? 
Well, I think one of the easiest ways for individuals to get into investing in general is ETFs and mutual funds. Of course, you could always theoretically just go into individual securities. So you could look up, let's say, an electric vehicle maker in China and just purchase shares of that company yourself. But it tends to be easier for folks who don't have a day-to-day focus on trading to actually just invest their money into broader funds. So these are sort of run by institutions and fund managers who handpick what's going into these funds, in the case of mutual funds, and they sort of take care of portfolio selection for you. All right. And now regarding cash, we often hear about the benefits of looking into stocks with strong dividends as a way to make money in the market. Why has that particular approach lost some luster? And where could an investor look to generate some cash? So when we talk about cash and dividends, what we tend to think about is dividend yields. So a lot of stocks in the S&P 500 will pay out a dividend. It can be every quarter, every two quarters, but basically you're getting a regular cash payment every year. And it makes those stocks a little bit similar to bonds. For a very long time after the 2008 financial crisis, because interest rates had hit rock bottom, sometimes you could get dividend yields from stocks that were actually a lot better than what you could get from, say, treasury bonds or treasury notes. But now the opposite situation has materialized, where on average, a stock in the S&P 500 will offer a dividend yield of about 1.7%. And in comparison, a six-month U.S. Treasury bill might offer you a yield of closer to 5%. And that's up a lot. In fact, that was trading at around 0% at the start of 2022. Another area where a lot of investors have had luck generating cash is through money market funds, which now offer yields above 4%, again, up from almost zero not that long ago. So there have been a lot of different markets that are now offering higher yields than they have in a very long time. And that's all making the stock market look a little bit less attractive to investors. All right, that's Wall Street Journal markets reporter Akani Otani. Akani, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. And that's your Money Briefing. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal.